Hello everyone, Mary Vallarta here. I am back with another episode of Just Flow With It. It's a podcast where I speak to phenomenal individuals who are truly flowing with their talents, their purpose, and thus their true authentic selves. My guest on today's episode is Les Alfred. She is the founder of Balanced Black Girl, which is an online platform that highlights and provides a space for women of color and wellness. This is such an important topic for me to talk about because there is a very prominent visual of what wellness looks like. And it looks like right now, at least in American culture, it looks like a young, skinny, white woman who is doing yoga and sipping green juice and um, talking about crystals. That is the prominent visual um, of wellness. And that is just not accurate. Um, it's, it's a detrimental visual to push, especially for communities of color. Um, because as we all know, in reality, wellness can come in all shapes and sizes and all colors for that matter. And so the work that Les does is that she creates a space, a platform where she highlights women of color who are already doing amazing things in the wellness space, women who aren't getting the recognition, who aren't getting, you know, the time and the space to really talk about their work. And that's really important because representation is everything. You know, if you're not seeing someone who is a proponent for wellness, who is, you know, is, is working in the space as a young um, black or Hispanic um, girl, then you're not really going to see yourself doing that. You're not really going to see yourself participating in those positive types of activities or, or, or lifestyle behaviors. Um, so it's important to have the space to highlight, you know, women of color in their work in the wellness space. Um, and so she does that with her podcast. She does that with her blog. Um, and like I mentioned, it's just a really important thing to do because wellness doesn't look the same for everyone. Um, and in addition to that, I want to be careful with making it seem like women, women of color in the wellness space are very green or very new to this particular industry. We're really not. Um, a lot of the innovations, a lot of wellness practices that we know and do now come from places like India, from China, um, from parts of South America. And guess what? Those are communities of color. Um, so that's why it's so key to be very adamant about making sure that we're giving ourselves the credit that we deserve here. People of color are a huge contributor contributor to what wellness is right now, to what wellness was in the past. And that's why it's even more important for us to make sure that we're getting the shine, that we're getting the light, that we're getting, um, we're getting money, <laughs> that we're getting the money back that we've invested for thousands of thousands and thousands of years with these wellness practices and discoveries that, that we've worked on as a people. So anyway, very excited to bring you this conversation with Les. We talk about 
women of color's role in wellness. We talk about what she's doing with Balanced Black Girl. Um, we talk about her own personal journey into health, into wellness, and into spiritual and personal growth. Um, this is where I was really so impressed with her because I really noticed and realized how just in tune she is with her own self, with her body, with her spirituality. And you'll know what I'm saying and you'll, you'll get it once you start listening to the episode, but you'll really find out just how, man, just how in tune she is, just how much she, she trusted her intuition when it came to giving herself what she needs. Um, we talk about self-care and capitalism's role in self-care and gosh, just so many great things. Um, but like I said, had so much fun with Les and, and this interview really just showed me how incredible she is in terms of just like being so sure about, you know, who she is and, and being sure about her intuition and just really having a deep, deep sense of self-trust. So anyway, listen to the episode. Let me know what you think um, and enjoy. Well, Les, thank you again for being here. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I always like to start off every chat with a similar question, and that is, describe your true authentic self for me. How do you see yourself? Mm, that's a really good question. So I don't know if you're into astrology at all. Um, I'm interested, but I don't know too much about it, but it's cool. very much something I'm curious about. Perfect. I same, but I have, I'm learning more so I can give a, a little brief uh, synopsis that kind of relates to the question. Yes. So for all of us, we all have a birth chart, which is kind of what sign or planet is in each particular part of our chart. It's basically like the planetary alignment, the moment we were born kind of reflects our personalities. And I feel like for me, that is very much true. So I, my sun sign, which is like the main sign that we all probably know ourselves as is Leo. Mm -hmm. uh, but my moon sign, which is what, um, really reflects our inner self is in Taurus. And I feel like for me, that rings especially, especially true. I definitely view myself probably pretty differently than a lot of people view me. I think people view me as somebody who is kind of very Leo-like in the spotlight, always, you know, kind of on stage or in front of people or being the voice of something. But really my internal self, I feel a lot more, um, reserved, grounded, really like comfort in my home and my kind of safe spaces that I create for myself. So I would say that's probably how I would describe my most authentic self. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that that's what the moon signs meant. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Um, I'm going to check out my moon sign. I know that it, um, has to do with the time you were born, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. It's like where all of the planets were in alignment the moment you were born. Amazing. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Thank you for answering that first question. Um, I always like to start off with that because it really sets the stage for our conversation because this is all going to be about you, girl. Um, <laughs> I'm going to uh -oh. be asking. <laughs> I'm going to be asking a lot of questions to really 
it's sort of like serve as, you know, something that can inspire all of us just to, to live in our truth and, and to be who we are, no matter how that looks like, how that feels like. Um, so that's really the intention of the podcast. So you are the founder of Balanced Black Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that's a podcast and you also have a blog. Can you describe what the Balanced Black Girl is and what even drove you to start it in the first place? Definitely. So Balanced Black Girl is an online platform kind of revolving around the podcast of the same name that is really all about showcasing Black women wellness experts who have expertise and valuable information to share that kind of relates to our mind, body, and soul and and what health looks like for those different areas. So on the podcast, I interview Black women wellness experts to talk about everything from mental health to exercise, to yoga, to nutrition, to spiritual health, self-help. Really, the goal is to introduce my audience, which is primarily Black women, uh, to women who look like them and can relate their life experiences, who they can learn from. Mm. And what is the importance of you providing a space for Black women? Yeah, I mean, I think historically at least in the wellness space, it's just something that hasn't been done enough. I think the mainstream wellness space, especially over the past decade or so, has really exploded partially in thanks to social media. But I think that a lot of the images we were seeing up until the past few years looked very one way. Mm -hmm. It was very white. It was very focused on thin bodies. It was very focused on people who are very affluent and could afford all of these fancy things and just realizing that wellness doesn't only look that way. So it's it's providing another view of what wellness could look like from where people are at. And, and I think it really is important to help people see, hey, this person looks like me or is from where I'm from or who has overcome the same things I've overcome. Yes, I can do it because they're doing it too. But when you only see people who have a totally different experience than you, it can be really, really discouraging. That's a really good point that you bring up. And, you know, the ironic thing about that is a lot of the wellness practices that have started in the U.S. actually came from countries that are, you know, predominantly from people of color, you know, right. So the perfect example is India. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously yoga comes from India, but here in the U S at least from my view, it sort of started in um, white neighborhoods and then it kind of then got translated to more um, neighborhoods of people of color. And so to me, that's just very interesting as to how it was even something that came from India, but started in the U.S. in predominantly those types of neighborhoods. So it makes me really happy to see it much more um, out there. It is being practiced by not just, you know, even women anymore, but a lot more men are also practicing yoga too nowadays. Mm -hmm. And also younger people are also getting into yoga, which is really cool in my opinion. 
Yes, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, and that conversation has come up time and time again on my podcast, which I love having, which is really understanding for so many of these practices, where do they actually come from? And it's interesting to see how differently these things are viewed, you know, when they come to the States and when people start profiting off of them versus how they were intended to be in, in their originating states. So I love having that conversation and just learning more. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting conversation, and and I'm sure you you have that with many of your guests that come to your podcast when you talk about, you know, everything from health and wellness and spiritual growth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I always learn so much, and I always position myself of I am not the expert in any of these things. I'm facilitating conversations and kind of providing space for all of us to learn, and and with that, I learn so much too, and I'm so grateful for that. Right. I mean. Speaking of being the person to facilitate these conversations, what sparked your interest in the whole wellness and fitness and spiritual growth? Yeah, you know, I would say it was a very natural progression. So I first started getting interested in wellness when I was in college. Mm -hmm. I had the summer between my junior and senior year of college, I had my first corporate internship. I knew I had gotten a job offer and knew that I was going to be returning back to that company after graduation. And it was, it was kind of the first time I really had to sit still. It was my first time being truly sedentary, spending a lot of time on a screen. It, I just really, really struggled. And I noticed that I physically and mentally just didn't feel that great. But I knew the kind of the reality of the situation was that was going to be my new normal. So I was thinking, okay, what can I do to kind of offset this a little bit? What can I do to help myself feel better if I'm going to be spending all of my time doing this? And I decided to just start learning more about wellness. I thought, okay, maybe if I exercise more, I'll have more energy. Or maybe if I start eating a little bit better, like I won't feel so sluggish. I would notice, you know, right after lunch, I would feel especially tired. And I just started really experimenting with different things to try to help kind of get my own energy up. I, you know, I was thinking I'm 20. Why am I so tired? Ridiculous. Um, And so I kind of started doing some detective work to really figure out, okay, what can I do to feel energized, to feel well, to feel like myself? And I'm so grateful for that. And honestly, like a little bit low key impressed with my younger self. I'm like, how did I at 20 understand the correlation between what I ate and how I felt or how I moved and how I felt because I was not taught that. I just kind of figured it out. But I'm so grateful to have started honing in those habits um, at that young age. And so when I went back to school that year, you know, I was exercising regularly. That was when I really started cooking for myself and learning more about nutrition. And so I actually don't know, I don't really know what it's like to be an adult who does not do those things because I've been, you know, consistently moving my body, cooking for myself, eating whole foods for the past decade. And I'm just so grateful to have really started honing in on those habits at a young age. And from there, I mean, I think it just kind of snowballed. I started getting more interested in nutrition. I started exercising more. I would be really bored at my desk at work. So I was just drinking tons of water, literally. So I could get up and like take the long way to the bathroom. Like all of these little things I was doing kind of started compounding and creating these habits. And By the time I'd gotten to my mid-20s, I was very into fitness. I was you know, working in corporate, but also working as a personal trainer. And that was when kind of the mental aspect started catching up with me. That was when I kind of started hitting the quarter-life crisis mode, really struggling with 
mm-hmm. kind of my place in the world and who I was. And that was when I started kind of looking more into personal growth. And a lot of the, you know, fitness people that I looked up to at that time were also in that space talking about personal growth. And so they all, all of those habits just kind of merged together. Mm, that's beautiful. I, what comes up for me when you told me the story is that you were really connected and obviously still are, but you were really connected when you were younger to your body, to how you were feeling and and you didn't ignore, you know, what your intuition was telling you because oftentimes that's what happens to some of us. Um, but you were really in tune with, with how your body was feeling and what you were needing at the time, which is why, you know, you, you were moving, like you were getting up to get water so that you can walk and get some exercise and you were cooking for yourself. And you're right. That's not something that is really taught to a lot of us. And and great that you, um, listen to yourself and listen to what your body needed at the time. And, and, and it's really beautiful to understand like how everything just sort of naturally flowed Mm -hmm. obviously like after you feel good now you have the mental and you know physical capacity to want to improve you know personally and spiritually if you feel healthy and you feel good in your body exactly yeah exactly i feel like physical health is kind of the it's the, the foundation. It's like the base of the pyramid. How do we physically feel in our bodies each day? Do we have the energy to do things we want to do? Are we able to kind of, you know, go through our daily lives without necessarily feeling a sense of fatigue or a sense of just right. unable to do what we need to do? And then once we kind of have that base, it's like, okay, but how am I feeling on the inside? How's my yeah. head? How's my heart? And those things just kind of build on top of one another. Right. You know what this reminds me of um, is it reminds me of the relationship between Ayurveda and yoga. Mm -hmm. Those are the two sister sciences of um, the Vedas. And Ayurveda is really all about um, having the balance between the body and the mind. So if your body is well, if you're healthy, you know, if you're fit, if you feel good, then of course, that's the only time when you're really going to have the capacity to strive for, you know, transcendence and and, and spiritual evolution. Otherwise, that's not going to be really the goal. So it's it's really interesting to hear you say this um, and, and how it's so reflective of those ancient sciences that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think our our minds and our bodies are just so complex that we need all of these tools to kind of work together. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, so you started your personal growth work. Um, and what were some of the, you know, challenges or roadblocks or maybe certain things that you were discovering about yourself that, that you wanted to delve deeper into? Yeah. Ooh, I love this question. So when I was in my, it kind of started in my mid twenties and it's something that I'm still kind of discovering left and right now is all of these stories that I had told myself my entire life about who I am and what I can do and what I can't do. I just started like breaking those down of, well, why can't I do this? Or 
is, yes, I have maybe behaved this way before, but is that who I am? Is that how I am? Was I that way then? Was I behaving that way as a coping mechanism? Is that really who I am? Like I've really started understanding how complex my identity is and understanding that there were so many things and behaviors and thought patterns that I had hold on, held on to thinking that was who I was when really that's not who I was. That was just how I was reacting to my environment. And so I would say that process really started years ago when I started doing that work and I'm still uncovering <laughs> a lot is of those things. An end? I feel like there's no end to what you can discover. Never. Ever, yeah. And it really is, um, I think, the most complex journey or adventure that you can take is discovering like what's going on within yourself. I know that that's so true for me because when I start that process, it can it can really start from the smallest thing, like how I'll react to a certain situation, mm -hmm. and then that can snowball into me like you know, unfolding things in my childhood. Yes. And it's pretty, it's pretty scary. And it's also pretty fun at the same time. Not sure if you feel that same way too For about sure. certain things because I'm oh, like, yeah. oh my God, that's kind of troubling. But I'm glad <laughs> I know that that's why I do that. Um, pretty funny. Yeah. In, in your podcast, and on your blog, um, you talk about self-love and self-care. What's the difference between the two? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a really great question. I think self-love is a mindset and it is a, a state of being. And I think self-care are the actions we take to express that self-love and to remind mm -hmm. ourselves of our self-love. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Can you give an example that yeah. can solidify that? Yeah, definitely. I think even at a basic level, I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, fitness and, and nutrition. So let's use kind of physical well-being as a, as an example, because I do think for a lot of people that is kind of the gateway into self-care. Mm -hmm. um, so you could say, hey, I love myself enough to truly nourish my body and really feed my body good things when it needs right. it. And I also love myself enough to, to stop when I'm full or to understand when I'm eating out of emotion and not even necessarily stop, but recognize that and understanding when I am eating because I'm truly needing nourishment right now, right? Like I love myself enough to recognize those things and I practice self-care by feeding myself accordingly. I love that example. I love that example for two reasons. One, because it shows restraint in self-care, how self-care is not about just giving you know, yourself, everything, as much as you want. Um, but it's really making sure that it's what the body needs. Totally. Uh, and then second, I love that example because it shows how self-care doesn't have to really cost you money, how it doesn't involve the spa. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. Right. Totally. I, I go ahead. Uh I was just going to say, I, I do kind of struggle with some of the depictions of self-care that are so focused on that because, and don't get me wrong, I love pampering. I love skincare. I love those things. But I think that there is a difference between hygiene and self-care. If we're yes. doing something to maintain our physical or outward appearance, I more so consider that 
hygiene, but what is that truly doing for my soul? If I have something mm-hmm. really emotionally going on, like a manicure is not going to fix it. A yes. facial is not going to fix it. Looking within myself and doing that inner work and talking to a therapist or doing some journaling or reading a book that's going to help me let go of those limiting beliefs, like that is, that is self-care that's going to nourish my soul, not, not having a new nail color. Yeah, and I think that's really just, you know, capitalism getting involved in self-care, period. I, I think that it's a uh, it's something that I see a lot now where women are inundated with these messages of self-care, but it's really just about getting them to spend money. <laughs> As women, I mean, you know, we all spend so much time also focused on on how we look and how many messages have we gotten over our lifetime that our oh, work so many. comes from that. So it's like, oh, you can practice self-care and spend money to look a certain way and be more worthy. I mean, it's it's such a vicious cycle. It is. And it also is not something that's healthy too, because what if you don't have the funds to go get that manicure all the time mm-hmm. or to get that facial? So that makes some women feel like, oh, I'm not taking care of myself like I should be. So it's pretty dangerous to be really getting those messages without having, you know, someone like your mom or an elder person or a friend being there for you and saying like, hey, this is actually not what self-care looks like to everyone. Self-care totally. is about taking care of yourself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation now because it's, it's important. It's important for people to know what self-care really is as opposed to what, you know, commercialized companies or corporations are trying to tell us what it is. Absolutely. Um, so... I know that these are topics that you talk greatly about um, in Balanced Black Girl on your podcasts. Um, I've listened to some episodes as well. So I'm really in awe of some of the guests that you have on there. Um, Forwarding to the future, what is your vision for Balanced Black Girl, you know, in the next coming years? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, That's something that I'm still trying to figure out if I'm being totally honest. I love the conversations that I have on my podcast. Getting to interview the women that I come in contact with has just been truly one of my greatest gifts and it's really what I enjoy more than anything. And so absolutely more of that. I mean, I sometimes get overwhelmed because I'm like, there's so many people that I want to talk to and I see all of these amazing women killing it and doing all these things, but I can only produce so many episodes and only physically interview so many people at a time, but I get so excited and want to tell everybody's (laughs) story. So I think just perhaps looking for more mediums to tell more stories, Mm -hmm. um, continuing to kind of build out more of a holistic um, platform where women can come to get credible wellness information, hopefully building kind of more of a team and, and more of a community. But I'm also someone who, I mean, kind of like we said earlier, I tend to be very intuitive and I tend to be very much in flow. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm always the person who has like super strategic action plans. That's just not really my ministry. So I think as things happen, as ideas come, I am all about executing and jumping on them, but I'm also all about, you know, 
feeling it. Not, not fixing what's broken or yeah. you know, not fixing what's not broken. And so definitely continuing to spotlight incredible black women doing incredible things in this space is definitely my priority. And as it grows and evolves from there, I, I'll be excited to see where it goes. <laughs> Love that. Really just flowing with it and feeling it as it goes. Yeah. Um, that's how it started. So that's, that's how I want to continue. <laughs> That's amazing. Who would you say is like one of your most memorable guests? Oh, goodness. This is so hard because literally every interview I've done, I've really enjoyed and I have just loved so much and learned so much from. I'm actually going to give a bit of a cheat answer. So, and this isn't necessarily someone who I interviewed on the podcast, but it was a, a different kind of balanced black girl experience um, from the, the book club that we have, mm-hmm. um, is that we got to have kind of an intimate book club meeting with Michelle Obama when we read her book, Becoming. And I got to ask her, what does being a balanced black girl mean to you? Which is the question I usually end every episode with. And so I would say, I mean, she hasn't technically been on the podcast, but it was like a balanced black girl affiliated <laughs> event. Um, and so that, I mean, I don't think anything will ever top that. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> she's the queen. Yes. Um, what, what makes you want to interview people? You meet so many women, like dynamic women, I'm, I'm betting. So what makes you want to interview someone? Yeah. You know, I am always coming from a place of wanting to provide value to my listeners. Like Mm -hmm. I am so fortunate to just have the most engaged, loving, kind, incredible community, which I know, I mean, in the online space is very rare. Yeah. And I am always coming at it from a place of how can I have a conversation with someone who can provide value to my audience, mm-hmm. who has a story my audience can, can connect with, who has knowledge that someone listening to this can take and apply to their lives right away, who has a solution to a problem that my listeners are experiencing. Got it. Those are the things that I really look for when I'm looking to facilitate conversations. Got it. So you don't have like a list of, oh, here's what I want to talk about. And here are the people that I'm going to find you. You just kind of, um, encounter people. And if you feel like they have some value, as you mentioned, then you're going to interview them regardless of any type of content strategy that you may have. Kind of, I would say it's a combination of both. So I do like to keep a fresh mix of topics Mm -hmm. and I will kind of let that topic lead me to a guest. Like for example, I very recently um, interviewed a woman who is an expert in human design because human design is something that I'm really interested in learning more about. And I thought, well, Mm -hmm. if I'm interested in learning more about it, I bet my listeners are interested in learning more about it. So I is going to sound a little woo-woo, but I set the intention (laughs) of like, I don't know any black women human design experts, but I'm just going to like put, put the vibe out there that that's what I'm looking for. And like a week later, I ended up on Instagram connecting with this incredible human design reader and had like the best interview with her. We haven't released it yet, but it was incredible. So I do, it's kind of a combination of both where it's like, I have a topic or I have a conversation that I want to have and bring to my audience. And then I look for the right person who Mm. kind of fits that and who I'm able to have that conversation with. Got it. Yeah, you're right. It's a mixture of both. It's sort of like, hey, you're putting it out there in the universe and then you find someone to 
to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I mean, I'm also very fortunate where I've gotten to the point where I do receive amazing pitches as well. So oh, you know, great. if I get a really great pitch from someone who's like, here's my expertise and here's what I can teach your audience. I've had incredible interviews um, from that as well. So I would say it's a, it's a mix of kind of all of the above. <laughs> nice. What's your favorite part about interviewing people? Oh, I mean, I am so nosy. Like I'm just naturally a nosy person. So having it be socially acceptable for me to just get all up in someone's business and ask them a bunch of questions, I think is probably my favorite part. I just love asking people questions. You have um, a burning sense of curiosity. Yeah, exactly. It's like podcasting is the perfect medium for you. Exactly. Um, In terms of starting a podcast, what would be your advice to someone who wants to start a podcast, who's never done this before, you know, doesn't have a clue about how to begin um, setting up, you know, the microphones and all the techie stuff that you have to go through, you you know, signing up for an account and whatnot, what would be your advice to them? They want to do this. Definitely. I mean, that was me. I definitely knew nothing about podcasting and everything I've done has been um, self-taught. So I, that is a very relatable. I think first and foremost, it's important to know what your message is. As I was saying, um, when it comes time for me to choose an episode topic or pick a guest, I everything that I do and create I do with my listener in mind. I'm like, what episode will one listener want to listen to and send to five of her friends? Or what message is really going to resonate with this person? And I think with Balanced Black Girl, that is part of what has made it successful so far is that people do get so much value from it. And I think that sometimes that can get a little bit lost when people are looking to create new platforms or create content. I think it can be kind of a natural response to want to make it all about us first and other people second of, well, I just want to start a podcast to talk about stuff, or I just want to start a podcast to talk about, to talk with my friend and share our conversations. Super great. Do that, but understand that other people may not see the value in that, that you do. So if you want to do that as like a hobby, do it, go for it. But if you're looking to build a platform and grow it, you need to be thinking about other people first, which sounds a little bit harsh, but it's, I mean, Oh, it's true. (laughs) Um, true. No one's going to listen to it if it's all about you. No, no. And I think, you know, it's just so important to make sure we really have a strong message. So I think knowing what you want your message to be and knowing your why is the first step. And the second step is to just freaking do it. I mean, it's 2020. We have literally information about everything at the tip of our fingers, I, when I had the idea for Balanced Black Girl, had no freaking idea how to start a podcast, went online, looked up some resources, ordered a microphone that day, and launched the podcast 10 days later. I think if you want to do something, you will get scrappy and figure it out and do it. And I think if you are maybe coming from a place of fear, saying that you don't know how or you don't know how to start is a really good excuse Uh, that fear can come through. But I think if it's something you really want to do, you have every piece of information at your fingertips. You can jump in and you can just do it. And I say, don't wait for perfection. I don't think everyone should launch a podcast in 10 days like I did. Like if I could go back, I probably would have slowed down a little bit. But if you wait for perfection, you're going to be waiting forever. So I say, know what your message is, jump in, do it, make it better as you go. 
I love that. This is like the best synopsis of what to do when you need to, when you want to start a podcast. Um, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, there's really no excuse nowadays because we, we have so much technology. We have so many resources. There's YouTube that can basically show you step-by-step step what you need to do. So it really just comes down to whether or not you want to do it. Yeah. Whether or not you want to do it and whether or not you're ready, you know, I think when you're ready, you will jump in and you will make it happen. And when you're not quite ready, you will find those reasons not to. And saying, I don't know how, or I don't know how to start, I think is everyone's kind of favorite, favorite reason not to. And I say that about things. This is not me being on a high horse. There are aspects of my business and my platform that I haven't done or launched yet because I make that same excuse, even though I have just as much information at my fingertips as everyone else does about podcasting. And for me, that means I'm not ready. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's not good or bad. It's just is. Exactly. And and it's something that you just have to recognize and be okay with. Yep. Um, what are you excited about right now? What am I excited about? You know, I, um, the past year has been full of a lot of transition for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I moved from Seattle, my hometown, to Los Angeles last year. Mm-hmm. That's a big move. It's a big move, but it's been such a positive move. And I think I'm just excited to continue laying roots in my in my new home and to continue building community here and to continue growing in a new space. What prompted that move to Los Angeles? <laughs> so what's funny is I first came to Los Angeles when I was nine. I came on a trip with uh, my friend from elementary school and her family. And I, as soon as I got down here, I was just like, yep, this is it. This is where I, this is where I like, this is my home. Went got back home from the trip, told my parents, when I grow up, that's where I'm going to live. And I honestly just never really let it go. True story. I just never let it go. I just was like, yeah, I, it was just always a part of the plan of what I was going to do. And I didn't fully know when I considered going down to college here. I, there were a lot of other times that I was going to move and the time wasn't quite right. And last year, everything just kind of fell into place and it was the time, but there was really no question from the time I was a kid that I was just going to live here. Every time I came here, it just felt like home. I felt like I could be Mm -hmm. myself here in ways that I didn't feel like I could be myself in the Pacific Northwest. I just felt like the atmosphere was just always a place that I felt more comfortable being in. And I I just always knew that this was my home. Mm. What called you to California? What was it about (laughs) that was home for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it is, I think it's everything from the size, like how big it is here that there anything that you want to do or are interested in is here. There are just so many different types of people. I think that the culture here is a little bit, um, less judgmental and by a little bit less judgmental, I mean a lot less judgmental, mm-hmm. which I love the Pacific Northwest and I don't know how much time you've spent there. I mean, that is, you know, truly where my, my roots are, where yeah. my family is from. I have so many Not people much. I love there. Yeah. But it is kind of a judgy place. I think it is pretty homogenous. I think for a lot of people there, there is kind of one way to live. There's one way to be, there's one way to dress, there's one way to look. And none of those things ever fit who I was. And I always just felt like such an outsider. And when I came here, I was like, I can just be myself and do what I want to do and be who I want to be. And nobody really 
cares? Cares. Um, <laughs> it is. And, it's, it's definitely more diverse here. I was actually sure. in Portland a few months ago. Um, and I've been there before, but I was younger. So when yeah. I was there a few months ago, it really hit home how homogenous it was. It is. And I thought to myself, I don't think I can live here for that very much longer. Um, I wasn't there for that long, but I was just kind of visualizing how life would be if I were to live there. Otherwise, it was great. Like, I love all the nature stuff. Mm-hmm. It's that beautiful. It's beautiful, you know, fresh air. People are nice, but I definitely would miss just how much diversity in culture, you know, that we have here in LA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think just from a young age that that really called to me and it's it's so hard to explain, but I just always felt like felt like this was home. And it was pretty funny because I um came down here when I was in high school for like a family trip. And it was my second time here because the first time was when I was a kid. And then I came down here again when I was maybe like 16, but with my family this time. And I don't think my family had ever been down here. And I was at the Santa Monica Pier with my parents and my younger brother. And I think we'd like rented bikes and we're riding around Santa Monica. And my dad said he knew from when he saw my face just riding my bike down the pier, he was like, oh yeah, we're, we're losing her. She's gone. <laughs> Ended up down here. He was like, "Yep, I I knew, I knew right then that that this was just you know where you light up and and so it's true." Oh, um, speaking of wanting to build communities here, that's what you're excited about. Um, what communities have sparked your interest in Los Angeles? That's a good question. I mean, I think for me, when I say building community, I just mean like making friends. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if there have been like specific communities here that I am aware of yet. I think I do love how many more wellness offerings are here. I mean, there's right. so much to explore that I haven't even seen yet. So many parts of the city, neighborhoods that I haven't even been to yet that I need to check out. But for me, I think it's really all about um, just just making friends and connecting with new people. And something that I think about a lot now in adulthood, especially now, I mean, in my 30s, you know, when you're younger, a lot of friendships that you have are out of proximity. When you're a kid, it's who's in your class, who's on your team, who goes to your school. And now that I'm, you know, an adult, not only an adult, but also we have these amazing things like social media. I'm like, well, who can I connect with that I really like mess with on a true human level and exploring that and creating some friendships that are a bit deeper and rooted in kind of values and who we are and not necessarily in nostalgia, which don't get me wrong. I, I don't say that to sound like a jerk. I have some incredible friends that I've grown up with who will always be part a part of my life. But I think nostalgia is a big part of that. And mm-hmm. as you get older, you see that your lives are different. Your values are different. So getting to connect with people um, that's not necessarily out of just proximity or convenience, but who you really align with on a human level is something that I'm really excited about. Hmm. My boyfriend talks about that a lot because he's in a very similar situation as you are where he's not from Los Angeles, but he moved here. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been living here for quite some time now though, but he speaks about um, making friendships um, in a way that's a bit more, you know, intentional and a lot more his vibe as opposed to friendship that's sort of just naturally emerged because of where he was, because of school, you know, because of work, because of his families. And so 
Although um, for me, that might sound a little bit more challenging because you really have to put yourself out there. I feel like that that's also going to create for a much more deeper connected type of friendships or relationships because there's something aside from physical distance or physical closeness that's, that's rooting you guys together. Absolutely. I could not agree more. <laughs> um, I want to, before we move on to a lightning round of questions, that's how I really love to end my interviews is go through like round of quick, fast fire questions. Um, I just have to kind of ask you for your, you know, health and wellness tips around what's going on right now in our current climate in this coronavirus era. Um, yeah. So what can, do you have any tips on what people can do to keep their energy, keep their health, you know, keep even their mind space in tip top shape while we deal with all of this? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I, Definitely am happy to share kind of what I've been doing. I want to be really careful because I know that in times like this, it's really important to truly listen to like the medical experts. Um, and so I think, of course, following the advice of like the CDC and the, the World Health Organization around, you know, hand washing and, and cleaning, we know all of those things. But I think in terms of some of the isolation that people may be feeling right now, especially yeah. with the, the the need to social distance as we've Quarantine, been recommended yes. to. Yes, like that can be very lonely and can be very hard for some people. I mean, I personally am a huge introvert. So for me, I'm, and I already work from home as we talked about. So I'm <laughs> like, this is kind of normal for me. But for a lot of people, it can be really, really hard to be yeah. isolated or it can be really scary to be stuck in your house just kind of with your thoughts. I think for a lot of people, that's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it is just around kind of creating connection from wherever you are. Like me and some of my girlfriends in a couple of days, even though we, most of us live in LA and then we have one, one friend calling in from Seattle, we're all going to have like a big Skype date together where Aww. we all hang out and like drink wine and chat about our TV shows virtually so that we can still feel like we're still connected. Even though a lot of us like live really close to one another, we're trying to be extra cautious, right. trying to do those things to really create that connection where we can while also still being mindful of what's best for the collective. And I think also too, leaning into this space and leaning into the time that we have. I mean, I think for a lot of people, spending time being still can be really scary. But I think right. from those times, that's actually where a lot of beautiful things can happen. Like what, mm -hmm. what happens if you allow yourself to sit still with your thoughts or if you allow yourself to really address some of the stress in your life, which we know stress is something that really weakens our immune systems. And I think we all yeah. need to have strong immune systems right now. What happens if you actually lean into understanding what is stressing you out or what is happening right now and looking to really address those things to kind of heal those wounds. Can you take time to let yourself just be? Is there a book that's been collecting dust that you would really benefit from, from finally getting off the shelf and reading? I think we're all just having some space kind of being thrust upon us right now. And 
finding the best ways to fill that space with things that make us feel as whole as possible would probably be my my best advice. Mm, I love that. I, I really resonate with leaning in to what is going on instead of trying to fight it, instead of trying to deny it. Yep. Really. And instead of trying to numb ourselves out, because I think yeah. I think that's part of the problem is normally we have so many ways to numb ourselves out. And some of those ways are actually being taken away from us right now. Yes. And and I think that's what's scary for people. It is. It's sort of like a purge. I was telling my friend, I feel like we're just purging a lot of things that, that might not have really been serving us in the first place right now. Absolutely. Um, And I really, really believe that. So, you know, coupled with what you said about leaning in, like, hey, let's, let's figure out what the positive things that we can do for ourselves can come out of this whole, you know, journey that we're in right now. You mentioned about like looking within, like that's something that can benefit many of us tremendously being more connected to ourselves and also being more creative at the same time. Just because we're here at home doesn't mean, you know, we can't do yoga or exercise or have fun. Um, If anything, this is going to allow us more time to connect with our families. If we live with them in the same household, Um, we can even connect with them, even if they're not around here physically, but maybe making that phone call to our mom or our sister whom we haven't talked to in a long time to spark to re-spark that connection that we might want to strengthen. Exactly. It's also something that we can lean into in these times. Yeah, exactly. Mm, that's beautiful, Les. Thank you for that. Um, okay, let's go through the quick lightning round of questions and just tell me what you know, whatever comes to mind for you. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. What's something you tell your younger self? Ooh, something I tell my younger self, you know, something that I actually say to myself, even now, when I notice myself repeating old behaviors or coming from a place of fear is reminding myself that I am safe. So when I see myself relying on like old coping mechanisms or relying on behaviors and I'm like, girl, you know, you've done the work past this. I remind myself, I am not safe. I'm doing these, or I am safe. Sorry. I am safe. I am doing these things because that was how I coped and behaved when I wasn't safe or -hmm. when this situation made me feel unsafe, but I am safe. And so I think if I could tell my younger self anything, I would probably tell her that as well. She is safe. That's beautiful. Isn't that something that we all look for is safety? Absolutely. Yep. So simple, but so hard. Um, Favorite podcasts that you listen to? Oh, you know, this is a good one because I, ever since I started my own podcast, I actually don't listen to other podcasts as much, Mm -hmm. partially because of time and also partially I... I just, I want to make sure that what I'm saying is like my idea. And I think sometimes we consume a lot, right? regurgitate and not necessarily realize like, oh, actually I'm saying that because I heard so-and-so say that. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I would point. say, yeah. Or, I, or favorite books, whatever it is. Yeah. Ooh, favorite books. That's a really good one because I've been doing a lot of, of, lot of reading. So I would say More Than Enough by Elaine Welteroth is a really good one. Um, I read recently, it's called The Untethered Soul. So, I mean, that one is just such an eye-opening read. Uh, And then the last rec I'll give is, it's called The Four Agreements by Dan. I love that one. 
so like life-changing, life-changing, literally. Totally life-changing. I read that while I was also reading um, Nonviolent Communication. Mm. Oh my gosh. It's just like, like you mentioned, life-changing. Literally. so, So many light bulbs just went off. So many aha moments. Really great read. But I have heard Oprah talk about the untethered soul and that's been on my list. So I'm sure I get on that one. So good. Um, What's one piece of learning or realization that's impacted you greatly? Mm, One piece of learning or... I mean, I think I would say, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I'm just really learning about all of the experiences that have contributed to my identity and contributed to who I thought I was and how I move throughout the world and realizing that a lot of those things are not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of those things that I held on to as my identity are not truly my identity. They were either coping mechanisms or behavioral things that were situational and really learning to understand who I am just at a base level, not looking at what I'm doing when I'm coping or what I'm doing when I'm, you know, reacting. It's actually very, very different and finding a lot of peace in that. Mm, Beautiful. Who do you look up to and why? Mm, Who do I look up to and why? I feel like I look up to so many people. I mean, I definitely have kind of the generic, like, obviously look up to Michelle Obama, look up to Oprah um, Mm -hmm. for the impact that they have on the world. I have so many incredible women in my life who I look up to. You know, my mom is an incredible role model. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, some of my best friends are just incredible women and and mothers and business women who just are so human and are not super women and don't try to be super women, but are just so human and do their best in whatever they're working through each day and allows space and grace for me and for themselves and for one another that I just admire so much. Mm. What do we as a society need more of? Mm. Oh, what do we need more of? I think we need more accountability. <laughs> mm. That's a great answer. <laughs> That's been my favorite answer so far. Uh, last one. What do you believe is your purpose in the world? What do I believe is my purpose in the world? That's such a good question. You know, I don't know if I believe that I have any one purpose or that it's something that I have kind of found yet, but I do think that I find a lot of joy in trying to bring purpose to what I do each day. Um, So that's kind of not an answer, but that's like my best answer. (laughs) It's an honest, real answer. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go edit the conversation that we had. Um, I'll add an intro and an outro, and I'll also make sure to put your information in the show notes so that people will go ahead and be able to know how to contact you. Or you know what? Better yet, why don't I just ask you here where people can find you, and then I'll just add that at the end. Great.
Okay, so I'll just say. Les, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed speaking with you today about so many of the different types of conversations that we have from health and personal growth and building, you know, a place where you can provide, you know, a safe space for women of color, for black women to really participate in and, and, and grow, you know, in terms of their spiritual growth and, and their wellness journey, um, because that's important. It's important for us to have that space. Um, for everyone to thrive in. So can you tell all of our listeners where they can find you and they can learn more about you and also where they can access your podcast? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me and for creating space to have this conversation. You can find new episodes of Balanced Black Girl on every major podcasting platform every other Tuesday. But I mean, I've published like 60 plus episodes previously. So there's plenty to dive into there, especially if you've got some extra time on your hands these days, there's plenty to listen to. And then you can find me on Instagram at Balanced Black Girl Podcast is the podcast account. And I'm at Balanced Less if you want to follow me. Mm, that was so yummy. Thank you so much, Les, for blessing us with your presence and your voice. You truly are an impressive being and someone who I admire for their deep knowing and trust in their own intuition and voice. If you like what you heard from Les, make sure that you hit her up on her social channels and listen to her own podcast, Balanced Black Girl. Now, if you like this podcast, which is Just Flow With It, make sure you subscribe and that you leave a rating and a review. Reviews are really important because it helps other people, more people, find Just Flow With It. And if you feel called to, definitely hit me up on my social channels. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook through at Mary Vallarta. That's M-A-R-Y-V-A-L-L-A-R-T-A. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Have a wonderful, blessed day, and I will see you back here next week on Just Flow With It.